Well, this is the time for our official call to worship, but I've got to admit, I think uh, Nona called us to worship with her testimony this morning. And it spoke to my heart, and I appreciate that. Uh, Psalm 63, verses 1 through 3 says, O oh God, you are my God. Early, in, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, so I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Our opening song is going to be number 93, All Things Bright and Beautiful.
eternal Father, our mighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, what a privilege it is to come and rest with you this day. Thank you, Lord, for this invitation. Thank you for realizing what we needed, even when we don't realize it. We thank you that you have blessed this day, you have set it aside, and you have hallowed it, O oh Lord. And with it, O oh Lord, your intention is to revitalize us, to renew us so that we can go out into the world afresh to let the world know about our risen Savior. We thank you, Lord, for how you have treated us this past week. We thank you for bringing each and every one of us here today. May all of us receive the rich blessings you have in store for us. Lord, there are many challenges that we experience through our week. I'm reminded, oh Lord, that because of this COVID-19, that there are many individuals, oh Lord, our parents, grandparents who are in nursing homes, assisted living places, who cannot experience our physical contact now. And so, Lord, I'm just asking that you comfort them. May they feel your hands around them, and may it be well with their soul. And for us out here, Lord, who are longing to connect with them, please, Lord, keep that fire burning in us. May we be able to channel that in other ways so that they may know that they are still loved. Father, I pray for those who are sick and those who are suffering especially chronic injuries or illnesses. Lord, I just pray for them, and I pray for your healing hands to be upon them. Lord, I pray for our shut-ins, those who are not able to come out and fellowship with us. May, you, may they experience you, Lord, in a special way today and this coming week. Lord, I pray for our church families, that you'll continue, O oh Lord, to strengthen us to remind us that we are the nucleus of this society that we live in. And may we represent you well, Lord. May we represent what it is to be one, in, to be united as one. Bless our children, Lord. Continue to draw them with your cords of love. Forgive us for not always setting the right example for them, but Lord, may they keep their eyes fixed upon Jesus. And Lord, we want to thank you for your protection during this COVID-19 time that you have blessed this church, Lord. You have kept us with your mighty hands, and we are eternally grateful for that. Lord, may your blessings continue to flow to us, and may we continue to pass those blessings on to others around us. Continue to be with us now through the remainder of this service. Bless the pastor. May you touch his lips so the words that he, we hear are from on high. And may they have the effective work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. May it draw us closer to you and make us more faithful to our calling. We ask these things and we thank you in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. One week ago today, um, our family was in a little town called Owego, New York, which is far, far, far away from here. We were visiting my family, and uh, there should be a picture, hopefully. 
of, yes, okay, it's not a great picture, but it tells us that it's eight hours and 47 minutes away, which realistically with children and dogs equals over 10 hours. And so we were off in New York and visiting my family. Next picture is Graham and Grandpa and the kiddos. So this was the first time we'd seen my parents this year, so that was we had lots of fun. So we were there for several days. And then the last Sabbath, so one week ago today, of course, we went to church with my parents. And when we were home, Sabbath afternoon, Mr. Reitman took our dogs for a walk. And then he called me while I was inside and said, Lori, there's some kittens outside. You should come try to see them. They're in a brush pile. So I went outside. In my heart, I'm a cat person, but my dear husband's allergic, so we have our dogs. Um, but uh, so I went outside and there were some kittens. I didn't really see them in a brush pile. And then Mr. Reitman said, I think there's a, a kitten in your mother's car. He was walking by the car and he kept hearing meowing from the actual car. And so he was trying to figure out where what this sound was coming and then my mother heard and he and my mother said yes when on our way back from church we actually pulled off because we heard meowing in the car but they couldn't find anything and so this a poor kitten apparently was stuck in the car and it takes half an hour to get to church and half an hour back now so charles he is very mechanically minded. He was going to figure this out one way or the other. So he's trying to look around the engine and looking around, and he figured out in the bottom, the bottom of the car has a plastic cover, and he kind of was rapping on it, and he heard something scurrying. So he's like, ah, that's where it is. And then the next picture, you can't really see very well, but in the far back corner, I can sort of see the eyes, was a little tiny black kitten. And of course, the kitten is terrified. So we're trying to reach in, it's hissing and all scooching away. But finally, I was able to get on the other side with a towel and get it from the other side um, after Charles had um, taken off those clasps and opened it up even more. So my father has a soft spot for cats and he, they had cats for many years, and last year their last cat had died. But then my father saw this as an opportunity. Maybe the Lord has given us a kitten. So. I stayed outside holding the kitten. You can see the next picture. And uh, sweet little thing. And they went inside to try to find something to put the kitten in. And so the poor thing, it was scared, but it let me hold it. It didn't mind it. And then so we got a box and got it situated. My mother wasn't too thrilled with this. Um, and so the next picture, you can see the kitten even more. So this is, we have, my father has named it Inky, the kitten. And so, boys and girls, do you th was the kitty excited to be rescued? Was the kitty excited necessarily? No, kitty was scared and had no idea what was going on. Um, my brother was visiting it as well, and he took the kitten, was kind of cuddling it in his room, and then he put it down, and the kitty scurried under a bed, and he had to take apart the bed to get the poor thing out. So kitty wasn't so sure about what was happening there. And so, but we had, we had legitimately rescued the kitten. I can't imagine what would have happened to the poor thing if we hadn't been able to take apart the bottom of the car. It's a terrible thought. Uh, but kitty did not know that it had been rescued and did not understand what was going on. And so it's only with time that, that Kitty will understand that, oh, 
I'm going to actually have a really nice life. And uh, I asked my father how it was going yesterday, and um, Kitty's warming up, and he's carrying it around, and it's very cute. But you know what, boys and girls? God has rescued us too, whether or not we realize it or not. God has rescued us, and, but it takes time to understand and to know who our rescuer is. Jesus talks about how we have to abide with him, which is simply spending time. So just as the kitty is now spending time with my parents and getting to know them and understand that, oh, this is actually going to be a great life, we need to spend time with God and understand that he has even more than a great life for us. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we may be called sons of God. Not only has God rescued us, he's made us truly his children. But unfortunately, most of the time we don't realize that. But he has a wonderful, wonderful life for all eternity, um, ready for us if we just spend time to get to know him. All right, let's say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we were able to get that poor little kitten out of my mother's car, and by your grace, it'll lead a very happy life. Um, but Lord, we thank you, Father, for truly rescuing us um, from a fate that we just can't even wrap, around, wrap our minds around truly what our fate is without you, Lord. But you have rescued us, Father, and may we spend that time to know you and to understand and truly live as your children. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, time for us to uh, read the word. Our scripture reading this morning is slightly going to be different. So I need you to turn to the scripture reading, which is found in Hebrews 1, verses 1, to Hebrews 2, verses 4. And that's only 18 verses. So when you get there, I don't want you to fall asleep while listening to me read. Please say amen when you uh, get there. Amen. I invite you to please stand as we read this, these verses together, please. Thank you. And uh, we shall be reading from the New King James Version. I don't know if uh, media team can have it up, but uh, you have your scripture with you. Um, let us all read together. Two, three. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, as in these last days spoken to us by his Son whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, whom being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, 
who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you will fold them up, and they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits set forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience receive a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Praise the Lord. Good to see you all. I have my lovely wife here, and I'm going to call lovely Leo up also. Please come. And lovely Gabby, please come also. Last week, we had a baptism. Amen? And it's a real blessing. And you think a baptism here could have an effect in Kenya? Is it possible? Wait till you hear this story. That's the video comes up. Here in my text. All right. So actually, this is from Sister Washington. Says hi, Pastor, and then some other comments. I am so pleased to inform you that the parents of Leo confirmed that the entire family are looking, choking up a little here, looking for the nearest SDA church and join to join when they saw Leo's video of baptism. It was as if heaven opened. We're so scared. (laughs) God did his work through both you pastors. Blessings, I don't have any words. So praise the Lord, Leo. Come forward, and uh, that's something. Your parents now are looking for an Adventist church to attend. Yes. Praise God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? God is still doing his miracles. A baptism here is affecting the world church. Who would expect? God is so good. Now, you are going off to school. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, yes. When do you leave? Come, come here. On Tuesday. On Tuesday. Okay. How many other... 
students do we have here? Uh, can I see a raise of hands? Or heading off to school Monday, Tuesday, this week, sometime. This is your last Sabbath here for a while. Not many, actually, but there are a few. A few others. Great. Well, we definitely want to have a prayer for you, and for all the students, and for our schools. Amen? That the schools can remain open. That God put his hand over them. I pray he'll put his hand over you. Uh, Jesus prayed to the Father in John 17 and said, guard them, keep them. So I pray Jesus and Father will guard and keep you while you're at school. And please come back. Don't stay there the whole time. We may have to drive to get you, <laughs> but we want you back with us. All right, we didn't actually vote her into membership. Would someone want to raise a hand for our new, our new member? All right. Second, raise another hand. All right. All in favor, say yes. All right. Praise the Lord. What excited me, part of Leo's experience that excited me is when she was coming to the 10 days of prayer every day, and one of the days she said, this is like my family. That makes a pastor's heart warm. Anyway, thank you so much. My wife has a gift for you. Gabby, we didn't get to say anything, but Gabby was the one that got the great blessing of being able to study with Leo. Amen? Thank you so much. All right, before you go, let's, let's just uh, let's have a, a word of prayer. Father God, we pray for Leo that you go before her and be her rear guard. Lord, anoint her for service. And Lord, for the other students that are heading off to various colleges, some have already headed off, even though their school doesn't start until Monday, we just ask you put your hand of protection around them. Indeed, Lord, go before them, be their rear guard. Lord, wherever those fire trucks are going, we ask that you be with that situation. Protect our firemen and our policemen. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Turn in your Bibles. You probably have guessed it. Hebrews chapter 1. What a blessing to see God's Spirit working in Kenya through something that happened here. Hebrews chapter 1. I've got the New King James this morning. The book of Hebrews is presenting Jesus as the better everything. He's better than anyone associated with the sanctuary, better than Moses, better than Aaron, better than Joshua. He's better than anything about the sanctuary. He's the better offering. He's the better high priest. He's the better covenant maker. He's the better everything. That's what the book of Hebrews shows us. It was written to Jews some of which were losing their faith. So it's apropos today, we have people in our church, people in Christianity in general, that are moving out of the faith, unfortunately. So in that way, it's super appropriate. Sermon title is The Great Escape. That's from chapter 2. But in order to understand chapter 2, we've got to understand chapter 1. So we go briefly through it this morning. God's Supreme Revelation the title that I have in my New King James above verse 1 where it says God, who at various times and in various ways spoke. I want to stop right there. God is the one who's speaking 
God is the one who's seeking. We see that all through the Bible. You see that, of course, in creation. God speaks. And what happens? It is, right? It, it happens. Whatever he says is. Spoke and it was. But then even after speaking creation, even after sin, we see God seeking. Hey, Adam and Eve, where are you? So God is speaking. God is seeking through the whole Bible and through your whole life. Never going to give up on you. He is as we say reverently, the hound of heaven seeking after the lost. A God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. So there's that parallel. We have now God himself speaking through the Son whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Now, if you have a marginal reading or a little, a little number next to that, in some of your Bibles you will, you'll see that worlds doesn't mean worlds, as in the globe here. It certainly includes that, but it means eons or ages. It means time and space. Jesus, the Father through Jesus, created time and space. That's what it's saying. He made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory. Talking about Jesus being the brightness of the Father's glory. And the express image of his person. And upholding all things by his powerful word or by the word of his power. So this is who's speaking. Jesus is speaking. The one who created all things and he did it by his powerful word. When he had himself purged our sins, sat down, sacrifice was full and complete and accepted, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, he's still ministering now that sacrifice in the sanctuary, having become so much better than the angels, now, this is not to put the angels down, right? This is to lift Jesus up. So much better than the angels as he has, by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. The very name of God. This is the one who's speaking. The Son is exalted above the angels. Verse 5, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my Son, Today I have begotten you, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. He never said that to the angels. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Now who alone deserves worship? God, right? So this is the father saying Jesus is God. And the angels saying Jesus is God. Christ is called the only begotten before the cross. After the cross, the first begotten of many brothers. Not ashamed to call you and I his brothers, his sisters, because of his great, great sacrifice. Verse 7, And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. 
But to the Son, to the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Now, if the Father says that Jesus is God, that's, a, that's enough for me. How about you? Come on, say amen. Jesus is God. The Father says to Jesus, Oh God, your throne is forever and ever. This is the amazing, majestic Jesus that we're talking about here. Going on, verse 9. You have loved righteousness. He's a scepter of righteousness. You have loved righteousness. You have hated lawlessness. Two things. Love righteousness and hate lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. You know, it's a joy to walk with God. Amen? It's not drudgery. If we teach our children, uh, where's... Dr. T, somewhere sitting down. Uh, Anyway, I see Molly there. If we teach our children at any level that it's drudgery, oh, you know, you might make it if you're very lucky, and, you know, God is is watching you. Um, You know, hope you make it. That's, That's not the God we serve, amen? Christianity is a joy. It's the most joyous experience. It doesn't mean it's there's not trials and there's not difficulties. All who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's a promise. But it's a joy, amen? Because Jesus has put that joy in our hearts. Ah, his burden is what? It's light, right? And his yoke is easy. Where we find all the trouble is when we try to manufacture our own yoke, right? That's trouble, and that's a burden but not when we're yoked up with Jesus. Never. Christianity is a joy, pure joy. In his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures evermore. Jesus understood that joy, and we should too, of walking with God. Going on, verse 10, You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish. As great as they are, they're going to perish. Not you, though. They will perish. You remain. They will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You'll fold them up. They will be changed. But you, you are the same, and your years will not fail. But to the which of the angels did he ever say, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? That is being under the feet, always meaning surrender to Christ exalted above all. Are they not all ministering spirits sent to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Indeed, that's what the angels are. But Jesus is so much better Oh, that we might lift him up in our lives. With all that context, chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, now we recognize that the chapter divisions are not inspired. Therefore is a summary statement. You're, you're making a summary, so you wouldn't start a chapter with it necessarily. But here we have that. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we 
drift away. Very important verse, and I want to drill down on this a little more. There are two key words here. Proseo, which is an important word which means to give attention to, or the word for more earnest heed. The other is paraumen, which means to let slip in the simplest sense. The writer here is saying, on the basis of Christ, who he is and what his word is to us, his dignity, his power, his love, his sovereignty, we must give the closest possible attention to the things we've heard about him. We can't just hear these things and let them slide through our brains. We must give the most earnest heed possible. That'd be a good translation for that word. For those, it's English, it's three words, but Greek, it's one. Then this paraumen translates into several meanings. It can be used of something flowing or slipping past. It can be used for a ring slipping off a finger. It could be used for something slipping, getting caught in the wrong place. Many, many meetings in classical and biblical use. It's regularly used of something which has carelessly or thoughtlessly been allowed to slip away. But both these words, and here's where I want to tie it together, have a nautical meaning regarding things to do with the sea and ships, sailing. And so here it is in that regard. Proseo means to moor a ship, to tie it up. The second one, paraumen, can be used of a ship which has carelessly been allowed to drift past the harbor because the sailor forgot to attend to the steerage or he has forgotten to chart the wind correctly, the tides, and the currents. So these words have that kind of nautical meaning. The verse could be translated in this way, looking at it through those circumstances. Therefore, we must, the more eagerly or eager, the most eagerness, with the most eagerness possible, anchor our lives to the things we have been taught, lest the ship of life drift past the harbor of salvation and be lost forever. That's exactly the picture here of a ship sliding past harbor while the sailor isn't paying any attention, and then it's lost. Don't believe in once saved, always saved, right? You can lose your salvation. I do believe in once loved, always loved. God will always have that place in his heart for you. He had it in his heart for you from the foundation of the world. But amazingly, God will allow your choice of him to overtake or to be greater than his choice of you. His choice of you is certain. It's forever, but will you choose him. Most people, think about it, don't deliberately and in a moment turn their backs on God and curse God. It's not like a free fall. One of my uh, daughter's friends out in California just turned 23. Alexia is 23 also. She wanted to jump out of a plane for her birthday. So she did. Uh, praise the Lord, everything went fine. But that's a free fall, right? I mean, you're just, so if you neglect 
to pull the cord for your parachute to come up, that's a problem, right? You're going to meet with the results of gravity, which is not a pretty picture. But that's not how it often works with salvation, does it? Often we don't just lose it all at once. We just sort of slip. We're here, and we're here, 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 here. And then we end up being pretty far away. I don't know about you, but I grew up in Florida, and I was on the Gulf side. So you could go out in the Gulf and you know, get out on a raft and just you know, be getting some sun, and you could fall asleep. And because the Gulf is like a big lake almost, most of the time, it's pretty calm. You could fall asleep and waves wouldn't knock you off. You could be a long way from where you wanted to be or where you were when you wake up. That's what it is with salvation. Sometimes we drift away and God is saying, please don't do that. Don't neglect so great salvation. Most of the times it's almost imperceptible. Slip past the harbor. Some slip past the harbor of salvation and are broken on the rocks of destruction, unfortunately. Some slip, so you might think, well, slipping means I'm becoming more liberal, I'm watching too much TV and this and that and the other. It could mean that. That could be the slippage. It could mean you're slipping into legalism. That happens also. And that's equally as dangerous, I think, at least equally, because you think you're just fine. But God says, don't the greatness of salvation we neglect and be lost. That's one of the ways to be lost, is to neglect or reject so great a salvation as God has proffered, put upon us. And so this topic of escape, I want to look at that a little bit. It's a key theme here. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? When I think of escape, I don't know what comes to your mind. Maybe some of you want to escape from your masks or from the COVID restrictions with you on that. But usually we think of it as some dire, life-threatening kind of escape, right? Maybe from a kidnapper or soldiers who are trapped in battle who find a way out. Reminds me of the story of Operation Dynamo. It was a time in history that brings chills to our spines and a knot to our stomachs even today. There was a madman on the loose, ruthless murder who was lurking in the shadows. No one was safe. Man's name, Adolf Hitler. The army was large, well-trained, and desperate for victory. Steam rolling a path through Europe. It looked like nothing could stop him. Having already advanced through and defeated Poland on May 12th, Hitler ordered the invasion of Belgium, Holland, and France. Allied side, the British Expeditionary Force, England's premier strike unit is sent in. They're absolutely no match for the Germans. In a stunning move of strategy, Hitler's army shot right through enemy fire line, creating a 50-mile wide gap right down the middle. 
Within two weeks of the attack, the Allied forces are forced to retreat and pushed against the sea, most of them in and around a town called Dunkirk. Winston Churchill, while trying to keep the spirits up back home, said the prognosis had been gloomy and warned the House of Commons to expect hard and heavy tidings. The same speech, Churchill said that the whole route and core and brain of the British army had been stranded at Dunkirk, seemed about to perish as prisoners. Forces were trapped and no way out. There was no escape. The Germans could just crush them with their tanks. If they tried to bring ships to evacuate, they could easily destroy them with all their firepower from air and sea. No way to turn back, no way to go forward. Due to wartime censorship and the desire to keep up the morale of the nation, the full extent of the unfolding disaster at Dunkirk was not publicized. The British had to do something, and so Operation Dynamo was begun. It will go down in history as one of the most celebrated military feats ever, one of the greatest escapes ever. The plan was desperate, and it was an operation of retreat. If they were not able to get those troops out, a total massacre awaited them. So here was the plan. Round up all the ships they could, little schooners, big tugboats, cruise ships, anything, as long as it floated and could make it across the English Channel. They would send the little boats out in the shallow water next to the shore, load the soldiers, bring them out to the bigger boats, which would sail across to safety. But there were two problems with this plan. One was the English Channel is known for its rough waters. Many of the little ships would probably never make it across, even out to the bigger ships. Secondly, the ships would be basically defenseless, easily seen, easy targets for the enemy, almost like taking candy from a baby. Enter the real Operation Dynamo. The only thing that could possibly work was a call to prayer. Brave plight of the doomed troops led King George VI to call for an unprecedented week of prayer, believe it or not. Beginning with a time of fasting and prayer, the king asked for the whole country to go to their knees to ask the living God, the creator of heaven and earth, to intervene so on May 26, 1950, the country fasted and prayed, asking God to do a miracle. For nearly all of the week, a fog you know, covered the English Channel and screened the thousands of boats from the enemy aircraft overhead. The little boats experienced the calmest waters known in years. They safely evacuated nearly 335,000 troops to Dunkirk. It provided for the forces this praying and fasting great escape. Amen? Jesus says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Speaking of escape, maybe one of the things we think of, maybe the most common escape is the escape from imprisonment. Alcatraz, 
Devil's Island, or maybe even one of the most famous of all, the French prison, Chateau d'If. story goes like this. Some of you will standing this and have heard this once it starts. Edmond Dantes, falsely accused of a crime and then falsely imprisoned in solitary confinement for years in the infamous Chateau d'If. Not a true story. Until one day he met a co-prisoner, an old priest who tried to dig a tunnel to get out, but he didn't do his math right, and to his embarrassment, he ends up right in Dante's cell. Well, the two met, had fellowship together. The old priest taught him everything he knew about science, philosophy, theology, and also about this map that led to a vast treasure that was hidden under the sea. After a period of time, the old priest died, and through an extraordinary series of circumstances, the death of this priest led to the escape of Dante's. Story goes, after 14 years, has escaped, and he's the only one to ever escape from this prison island. It's like Alcatraz. If you Google it sometime later, you'll see it's just a rock island. No way you're getting off that thing, because first of all, you're going to get shot as you're heading towards the fences. Never make it over the fence, which you won't. Um, you're not going to be able to swim away from it either because the currents won't allow you to. But this is the story. He escapes, ends up finding the vast treasure, which then finances the rest of his life. And of course, we have the count of. I knew where that was going. But far greater is this treasure of salvation, the great salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect it? I believe the question is rhetorical. We won't escape if we neglect it. Serious thing, salvation. It's a great thing. God is so great. He's done so much. We cannot allow ourselves to neglect, to slip, to drift away from such a great thing that he's given us. Maybe someone could escape from Alcatraz or the Chateau d'If, but if we neglect so great a salvation, there will be no escape for us. If we neglect the only means of remedy for our sins, there can be no escape. Now, don't think the Lord is being unfair or harsh here. I don't think so at all. He has provided a way of escape, amen, for everyone. His great gift of salvation, but we must appreciate it and appropriate it. That's our job. Our job is to have faith. Our job is to be a believer, to not drift away from it. Good news is, if you've drifted, the Lord can bring you back, amen? If you have family members or friends that have drifted, don't give up. Keep praying for them. God isn't giving up on them. His great salvation was for them, and he's trying to draw them back. We must have our moorings fixed firmly upon Christ. We must have our anchor holding on the rock of his faithfulness to us. Not about us, you know, kind of somehow just in and of ourselves trying harder. 
We may try harder, and we may need to try harder, but first, it's a focus on the faithfulness of God. Our wonderful Creator, like we read about in chapter 1, the one that will never perish. Everything else will pass away, but not Him. Our wonderful Creator, He created time and space. He sustains all things through His powerful Word. And He will sustain you. Amen? In all things, He remains faithful. Let's pray. Father God, today, maybe some of us have slipped a little, just drifted a little, and Lord, you're calling us back. You're calling us back to that solid, deep, foundational relationship with you. Father, maybe we've slipped a little from your mission for us. We've just become people that sit on pews and don't get out of those pews and actually go and do. We don't want that. With such greatness in our sight, how could we do that and neglect that great salvation? We want to share that great salvation and your great faithfulness with a lost and dying world. Lord, give us new ways to do that. Thank you for field work and how we could be a blessing to others and actually they were also a blessing to us. But Lord, there's much more that you want to do in Battle Creek and around the world. We thank you for the baptism of Leo and how that had an effect across the globe. And Lord, help us to, with our eyes of faith, realize that that's always the case. We may not see it as so, but it is. It's working. You're working. Indeed, you are a faithful God. So bring us back today. May we be the most earnest about you and about your things that you're coming very soon. Thank you, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Great is thy faithfulness. Now. Please stand with me.
Amen. Let's pray. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and from slipping and from drifting and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.